Well, this morning, uh, we are finishing up this series on relationships, and I'm talking about relationships in something that I'm really passionate about, and that's the church. And uh, you might wonder, well, why are you passionate about the church? Well, it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm a pastor. Uh, no, it has a lot to do with that, actually. Um, but I want to talk about what healthy relationships look like in the church. And, you know, it's, it's possible to be doing the work of the ministry, to be serving the Lord, to be trying to honor Him by attending church and to have a dysfunctional family of God, to have people that are fighting within the church and not getting along, to have people that have unhealthy relationships. And I want to talk about what a healthy church looks like and how its people interact and relate with each other this morning. And I want to give you three different words that kind of um, point us in the right track that Scripture talks about as it talks about relationships within the church. And the first one that I want to talk about is the word unity. And, and there are two parts to this. There's unity within Christianity, within the faith, within the church of Jesus Christ, the big church. And then there's unity within the local church. So let's talk about the big church first. And I want to ask this question. Do you think the Christian church is unified right now? I, you know what? I got to say it's not in a lot of ways. In fact, um, depending on how you count, there are about 200 different major denominations, and there are thousands of smaller subcategories under those denominations. This is not what God intended from the beginning. His plan wasn't to, to have us be separated into so many different factions. In fact, the church started in one room, and as it spread and as it got bigger, people got in the way, right? We know that people are broken, they're messed up, and they, have, they, they twist things and they mess things up, and that's what happened. We know that Jesus wanted his church to be one because that's what he prayed when he prayed for the church. In John 17, uh, verse 21 to 23, here's what it says, that they, referring to his followers, talking about us, that they may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. In other words, he's saying one of the signs to the world that the gospel is true is how much we're unified. <laughs> Right? And we've kind of gotten away from that. It says, The glory that you've given me and I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may perfect, become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you love me. So Jesus' plan for the church was for us to be one like the Father and the Son are one. That's a pretty high standard. Um, I could take you throughout church history and talk about how the church divided over time, um, but frankly, there was fighting right from the beginning. There were issues right from the beginning, but we have things like the Great Schism, which is where the Eastern Orthodox Church separated from the Roman Catholic Church, and then we have the Protestant Reformation, where this group broke off of the Catholic Church, and then within the Protestant denominations, there are so many different divisions. We don't have time to talk about all that this morning, but can I tell you something? Division and separation isn't due to God's work, it's due to man's sinfulness. 
And, and some denominations uh, have formed for different reasons. Sometimes it's out of organizational reasons or it's in response to a movement. In fact, that's how the Assemblies of God was started. It was birthed out of a move of the Holy Spirit. There were these revivals that were happening uh, in Wales and in California. And there was this incredible experience with the Holy Spirit. And people decided, oh, we want other like-minded people who, are, who want to experience the same thing. And so many of them got together and, and they began this movement that eventually became the Assemblies of God. Others maybe stayed in their denominations and brought some of that back to, to their denominations as well. Listen, the reality of the situation is that we're never going back at this point, and maybe this is just my lack of faith speaking, but I don't believe we're ever going back to having one church again until Christ returns and uh, becomes the true head of the church. But there are way too many different organizations and denominations at this point on this earth to have us enter back into that place until Jesus is on his throne and until he is declared king once again over all the earth. But how do we respond to Jesus' call to be one? Because that's his, his plan for us. That's what he called us to. Well, here are a few thoughts um, on how to do that. First of all, you don't have to agree, agree on every single thing to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay? Um, now, a perfect example of this. In a couple of weeks, we'll be headed to the Highlands Church. Um, you know, I know their pastor very well, Pastor Aaron. I, I love the man. He's, he's a dear brother in the Lord. Um, if you were to go to their church service this morning, um, you would hear a lot of the same things. You probably would hear some of the same songs that we sing, right? There's a lot of similarities, and, and the things that we are alike on are far more than the things that divide us. And maybe there are a few doctrinal points that we would disagree on, but listen, we see them as our partners in ministry. And so we're doing events like this, bringing in other churches as well. We're doing them together because we believe what Scripture tells us, that the body of Christ should be one, that we should be working together, not fighting with one another. And so you don't have to agree on every single detail to be in unity, to, be, uh, to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Here's the second thing. Just because we worship in different buildings doesn't mean that we can't work together. I'll, I'll say this right now. We are not trying to steal people from other churches here in this city. Okay? Uh, if somebody is part of a committed church and, and they're talking to me, I'm not saying, hey, listen, you should come over here to our church because this is where God is really moving. Right? No, that's so arrogant. Right? That's so selfish. Like, our city needs every church that's here, and, and we're partners together, and we're working together. Now, if they're, if they're teaching something that's, that's biblically wrong, um, or, they're, or they're leading people astray, and, and they're, not, they're not getting the, the major things right, well, that's maybe a different scenario. But there are many churches that serve the same God and that, that love Jesus just like we do, and we should be partnering with them, not working against them. There are plenty of people in our community that are lost and that need Jesus that we can reach out to. And we don't need to reach out to, to people who are already connected and already a part of a church. Um, and then the second thing is that we find opportunities to partner together, right? Now, the churches that we partner with, I would say that there are two things, two criteria that, that we would say, we're going to work with you. Um, we agree on the big things. Right? We, we agree on um, salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. 
Um, we agree on the, um, the authority of Scripture and the power of Scripture. And if we, can, if we can kind of agree on those values, some of the little doctrinal differences, um, we can set those aside and, and partner with those churches. And then the second thing is that they share similar values. Right, that they're worshiping God in spirit and in truth, that they're making disciples, that they're about glorifying God with their words and actions. And there are so many churches in this community that I love. I've gotten really close. A group of us uh, pastors meet together, um, and we get together once a month on, on Thursday afternoons, the first Thursday of every month, and, and we pray together, we encourage one another, we plan things together like these worship nights. And, and I've grown to love these men of God, and, and they're dear brothers in the Lord. And I'm, I wouldn't hesitate for a second to partner with them. We have a group of people from all different churches that meet at, at a different church every Thursday morning at 7.30, and they pray together. Um, and, and by the way, if you're interested in, in being a part of that, let me know. I'll, I'll get you connected as well, because I'd love to have us have a representation there, too. Um, you know, we're, we're different in our organization, and we're different in our location, but we're united in our purpose to make Jesus known in this community. Then there's unity within the local church as well. Um, here's what scripture says about that. 1 Corinthians 1.10, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you. I've yet to see one of those churches, but uh, that's, that's what I'm hoping for someday. But that you be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 4, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, this is Paul talking to the church in Ephesus, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling for which you have been called, with humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. Romans 12, 4 to 5. These are all written by Paul, by the way. Do you think unity is important to him? For as one in the one body, we have many members, and the members do not have the same function. So we, though many, we are one body in Christ and individually members of another. Peter says something similar too in 1 Peter 3, 8. He says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, and brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Okay, a couple things to think about as we've read through those um, instructions from Paul and from Peter. That the first one is that you can disagree without being divisive, right? You can disagree without starting a fight. If you've been here long enough and part of this church, maybe it's your first week here, but, but if you've been here for a few weeks, you've probably heard or seen one of our pastors or leaders do or say something that you disagree with. If, if you haven't and you've been here a long time, you probably just aren't paying attention, okay? <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm going to say something that I know this is going to shock you, but some of the things that I've said and done in the past have been wrong. Shocking, I know, I know, I know you're having a hard time believing that. I know that I just devastated some of you right now. You're thinking, listen, pastor, I just thought you were right about everything. But listen, that's just not true, right? Um, <laughs> I appreciate that. 
Uh, some of you know that I, I referee soccer, and at, at high school games, they ask us to give a sportsmanship talk at the captain's meetings, and most of the time, they're like not even listening to us, and they don't care about anything that we say. But I, I tell the players the same thing pretty much every time. I say, listen, as captains, if you want to talk to me or ask me a question during the game, as long as it's done in a respectful manner, we're good. I would welcome that. I'm encouraging that. But if you start yelling at me, <laughs> I'm not going to listen to you, and there's probably going to be consequences as a result. You know, one of the best things um, that we can learn as a body is, is not to just blindly follow what every authority figure tells us, but to learn how to ask questions in a way that isn't harmful to the person that we have a disagreement with. Right? To learn how to disagree well and honestly and, and do so with integrity and respect and honor. Uh, in this church, there are different beliefs. There are different philosophies. We don't all hold the same exact doctrinal beliefs on, and, and same philosophies on every particular issue. In fact, I don't remember what it was, but after a prayer night or a worship night, I remember a, a couple of months ago, we were just hanging out and talking and, and just kind of having a, a theological debate. You know what? It was fun. It was fun to talk about these difficult issues. And even though we all weren't on the same page, like we were all like challenging one another and encouraging one another and pushing one another in a healthy way. And we were testing our ability to answer for what we believed in. Now, I, as your pastor, my personality and the unique, unique things that God has put inside of me cause me to think a certain way. So I have certain opinions and beliefs and ways that I do things. And I'm fully aware that I need people in leadership roles that think differently than I do so that we can have balance as a church. If everybody that I worked with thought exactly the same way as me and had the exact same ideas and the same mentality, we would probably be in a pretty unhealthy place. But because we have an environment where people can share what, what's on their heart, where they can speak up, where they can um, express their thought, it, it tempers those extremes and it brings us to a place of balance. Peter said the key to unity is sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. If we could get those four things, if we could, I mean, really focus on those four things, to have sympathy, caring about other people enough to, to measure our words, to measure the way that we treat people, to have brotherly love, right? To genuinely care about someone like a brother in Christ, to have a tender heart rather than being stubborn, Right, anybody in here stubborn, right? <laughs> They're too stubborn to admit it, apparently. And the last one, to have a humble mind. You know, um, one of the things that strikes me most about Christ is like, lived a sinless life. Yeah, we expect that. He's God, right? Performed all these miracles. Yep, he's God. You know, we get that. The one thing that just doesn't register with me is the humility. Like, how is someone who is perfect humble at the same time? Right? Like, he doesn't even have any faults to be humble about. Like, it's my failures and my faults that he humble me. Right? It's the mistakes that I've made in the past that I can say, okay, yeah, Paul, you, you don't know everything, right? It's, it's that that brings me back. If I lived a perfect life, I would not be humble at all, okay? I would be so arrogant. 
But because Christ gave us that example of living a sinless life, of living a perfect life, of having all authority and all power in heaven and earth at his fingertips. And yet, what did he do when he was with his disciples? He wrapped a towel around his waist and he washed their feet. Humility is maybe one of the greatest factors as it relates to unity. We're unified when we're humble. Here's the other, other thing. We're unified when we're working together to accomplish something. You know, I got to say, um, not every year uh, pastoring over the past eight years that I've been here has, has been um, easy and has out, things have always gone really well. But can I say the year 2022, this year has been an absolute joy for me at this church. Uh, I, there are things happening for the first time this year that I've been praying for for eight years. Um, do you know when I knew it was going to be a good year? I'll tell you, without a shadow of a doubt, I knew it was going to be a good year during our week of prayer and fasting in January. Man, I'll tell you what, I have never seen our church more united and more together and more enthusiastic than during that week of prayer and fasting. And I remember leaving, we had a worship night to, to close out that week of prayer and fasting. I think it was like January 7th. It was early on in the year. And, and we finished that worship night. I'm like, man, it is going to be a good year. Because I felt like our hearts were aligned, that we were working together to accomplish something for the kingdom of God. And can I tell you something? There's still more to come this year, right? As, as we build momentum, as we see God move, it's, it's, like, it's like a rock rolling down a hill. It's picking up speed as we're going. And, and you know, sometimes, um, sometimes being invested and being involved in something and, and working together with something means doing something that you're incredibly passionate about and diving into that headfirst. And sometimes it means doing something that you are not passionate about at all, but you're doing it with a heart of service. And when we as a church are willing to say, I'm willing to roll up my sleeves and do whatever it takes to be obedient to God, to do what he's called us to do so that we can keep moving forward, that's when we're going to experience unity. All right, here's the second word. I promise that's the longest one. The other two are shorter. Second one is consistency. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, and knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Right? Even when it looks like it is, even when it feels like it's not working, your labor is not in vain. Galatians 6, 9, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. James 1, 4, and let steadfastness, steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If you want to have good relationships with people at your church, then you need to be here consistently. All right? Uh, the average church attender in the United States, this was just a study that was done by Barna a couple years ago, the, the average church attender comes to church once every three weeks. Now, I see some of you, and you're here every single week. That means that you're making up for somebody else who's not even coming once every three weeks. 
right? How are you supposed to have relationships with people if you only see them once a month? How are you supposed to know people if you can't see them consistently and have build that relationship? Now, maybe you're saying, you know what? Once every three weeks, that's good enough for me. Well, first of all, that's a pile of garbage. Okay, that's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> We're not even going to go. I will go. I will go there later. Okay. But, <laughs> but, but secondly, the thing is like your role in the body of Christ is important too. So if you're not here on a consistent basis, it's not that you're missing out. It's that everybody else is missing out because um, like we just read it. Paul talked about in the book of Romans that we're all members of the body of Christ and we're all different parts of the body. And if that part is missing, then everybody's missing out on that, right? You're affecting everybody else when you don't show up as well. Uh, listen, I'm going to just talk to the live stream camera here real second. One, one quick second. All right. If you're watching online right now, we need you here. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> like, I, I know it's hard to get out of bed sometimes in the morning, right? I know it's tough, but can I tell you something? The body of Christ needs you, right? So if you're watching online right now or you're watching this a couple days later or, or somebody sent you this video because they saw that you weren't here, hint, 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 okay? Like, listen, it's your opportunity to be a part of the body of Christ and you need to be here, but the body of Christ needs you too, now, inevitably, when I have this discussion with people, and, and this has happened from time to time, um, the, and I ask them later, why, why aren't you in church? Um, I'll be like, God, you know what? I'm just good with Jesus. I'm just good with Jesus. I don't, I don't need the church. And, and so it begs the question, can you be a Christian without the church? Well, let me ask you another question. Can you be married to someone without ever seeing them? Right, that's, that's what, what uh, scripture refers to the church as. It's the bride of Christ. So yeah, I guess you can be married to someone without ever seeing them, without eating dinner together, without sleeping in the same bed. But it's not a very healthy marriage, is it? Right? You can technically be married to someone, but, but there's not health there unless you actually have a relationship together. And... Then the next step in this discussion is, is after we talk about that, people will tell me everything that's wrong with the church. I'll say, yeah, the church is full of hypocrisy. Yeah, yeah, it is, right? Everyone at church is judgmental. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. You're, you're probably right about that. Oh, and, and the worst of all, it's filled with selfish people. Yeah, that is true. It sounds like you'd fit in perfectly, right? <laughs> Why aren't you going? <laughs> Listen, here's what you're saying when you don't need the church. You're saying that Jesus, your plan of salvation for the world isn't good enough. Right? Guess whose idea the church was? It was Jesus. He's the one that told Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. Yeah, we have our issues, but it was God's idea, not ours. So if you want to commit to your church, if you want to be a part of that, if you want to be consistent, 
Then you need to say, I'm going to show up. I'm going to join a small group. I'm going to serve in some way. I'm telling you, some of the best friendships that you'll find, some of the most important relationships you could ever imagine are found in the body of Christ. And you need it. Okay, here's the third thing. It's empathy. Empathy. Ephesians 4.29 says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such that is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. Here's what Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Colossians 3.12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Philippians 2.3, one more. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And ask the, the worship team to, to prepare to come. You know, even as these passages talk about correction, if, if we read in, in Galatians, it talks about the brother who's, who's caught in sin and struggling with that. Even those who... Or, those passages that are talking about correction tell us to do it gently. Right? This is something that somehow um, can get lost in the process. Uh, as as we're, we're talking about relationships that we build in church, yeah, accountability is important. Right? We need accountability. We need people to give us correction. Uh, discipline is important. All of those things are good. But if it's not done with gentleness... If it's not done with compassion, if it's not done with empathy, it will not accomplish its purpose. Right? God has called us to be loving, to be kind, to be compassionate, to care about people enough that in their weakness, in their struggle, yeah, we want them to be restored. We want them to find hope. We want them to get freedom from their sin. But we want to do it in a way that encourages them and that builds them up. You know, as we look around this room right now and, and the people that are here, we've all been at a stage in our life where we've been struggling with something, where we've been wrestling with something. And we needed somebody to just come alongside us and put an arm around our shoulder. You know, I've had moments like that where a word from somebody at church where a friend that, that came up to me and just gave me a, a word of encouragement made all the difference in the world. James tells us that the power of life and death is in the tongue. Right? You literally have the power to lift someone out of a, a heavy situation by the words that you speak. just saying a little bit earlier about the authority that's been given to us by Christ, right? I can't think of 
any greater way to exercise that power and authority by, by giving encouragement, by speaking life into someone. And so today, as, as we finish this service and as we close, I, I just believe that there are people that walked in here today and, and you're dealing with something that's heavy right now. You're struggling with something, you're wrestling with something, and you feel a little bit alone. Can I tell you something? That's a lie from the enemy. You're not alone. You're not alone. If you're here today, you're not alone. The people in this room love you and care about you. So I'm gonna ask if maybe if, if you're comfortable doing this, if there's a, if there's a few people that you'd feel comfortable um, praying for people this morning, if you would come at this time, I didn't ask anybody in advance, but, but if you feel comfortable doing that and you would be willing to pray with someone, would you just come on up here? And we're gonna sing another song together. Uh, and I just believe that, that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ask or imagine. And so if you have something going on in your life and you need prayer, then you just come. And somebody will stand with you and somebody will, will, will come alongside you and pray with you. That's what they're here to do. Okay, so can we stand in this place as we worship the Lord? Can we stand in this place? And let's just... Just take a second and, and listen, I want you to just put the wall down in your heart right now. You're saying, I can't, I can't go up there, it's too embarrassing. I, I don't wanna let anybody else know the struggles that I'm facing right now. Listen, if you wanna keep carrying your struggles, that's fine. But there are people here that are gonna do exactly what Galatians 6, 2 says to do, to bear one another's burdens. Right? And so if you have a burden and you're sick and tired of carrying it and you're feeling like it's too heavy for you, then let somebody stand alongside you and carry that burden with you this morning in prayer. They're going to they're gonna pray with you. They're going to believe that God is going to do something uh, in your life today as we worship the Lord. So Lord, we thank you this morning that you are good and that you love your church. We thank you that this... This church that you created, it was your idea. And so, Lord, we're standing together on behalf of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, on behalf of the hope that comes through knowing you. And we're asking for you to do miracles today. And we step out in faith, believing that you're a good God and that you love us. And you want to do a work in our heart this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.